if you have your Bibles tonight, I'd like you to turn to the book of Joshua, uh, Joshua chapter 3. And if we had the time tonight, I would like to go to Joshua chapter 1 and just read all the way uh, to Joshua chapter 8. I love the book of Joshua. And um, I talk about a book full of encouragement for God's people. And um, I tell you, I just I thank God for uh, what He has pinned down in this precious book. And um, if you need a, if you need a word from the Lord, um, turn over to Joshua. God has something for you uh, in the pages of this book, just in the way that God encourages uh, and does a work for the nation of Israel during those days. And um, if you if you have your Bibles, we're there in chapter three this evening. Let's pray real quick. And ask God for His touch and His help. And, um, and then we'll go ahead and give you what uh, the Lord has placed on our heart uh, this evening. Dear kind and most gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, I sure do thank you for the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Lord, the songwriter said it real well, What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And Lord, I humbly ask you this evening, Lord, that you would help me to be a clean vessel uh, that you can use, sanctified, set apart, and meet for your use and prepared unto every good work. And Lord, I'm not sufficient of myself, Lord, to stand and Lord proclaim your precious word. And God, I need a touch from heaven. And Lord, I need your, uh, Lord, just your direction, Lord, your help, your power. And Father, I pray, God, that the Holy Spirit of God would touch the preaching of God's word and that Christ will be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. If you want to stand back up for reverence to the Word of God, Joshua chapter 3, and we'll begin reading here in verse 1. Joshua chapter 3 and verse 1. And, the, and Joshua rose early in the morning, and they removed from Shittim and came to Jordan, he and all the children of Israel, and lodged there before they passed over. And it came to pass after three days that the officers went through the host and they commanded the people saying, When you see the ark of the covenant of the Lord your God and the priests, the Levites, bearing it, then you shall remove from your place and go after it. Yet there shall be a space between you and it about 2,000 cubits by measure. Come not near unto it that ye may know the way by which ye must go. For ye have not passed this way heretofore. And Joshua, and I'll just say right there, I mean, we, we can all agree tonight that we're, we're treading through some waters that we haven't ever passed through. And everyone here tonight in some way or another, and that's exactly where the nation of Israel was here in this chapter. And God said, you haven't passed this way heretofore. You better keep the Ark of the Covenant in view. And uh, in verse uh, 5, and Joshua said unto the people, sanctify yourselves. For tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. The Lord will do wonders among you. You can go ahead and be seated, and we'll read a couple more verses of Scripture here. Uh, and just um, uh, we're just going to try to read through at least another ten verses, and and uh, just listen to uh, the wonderful uh, application that is found right here in the Scripture, in verse six. And Joshua speaking to the priests, saying, "Take up the ark of the covenant and pass over before the people." And they took up the ark of the covenant and went before the people. And the Lord said unto Joshua, "This day." Will I begin to magnify thee in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that as I was with Moses, so will I be with thee. And thou shalt command the priests that bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye are come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand still in Jordan. 
And Joshua said unto the children of Israel, Come hither and hear the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Hereby ye shall know that the living God is among you. Oh my. And that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Hivites, the Perizzites and the Girgashites and the Amorites and the Jebusites. Behold, the ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth passes before you into Jordan. Now therefore, take you twelve men out of the tribes of Israel, out of every tribe of man, and it shall come to pass as soon as the soles of the feet of the priests that bear the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth, shall rest in the waters of Jordan. That the waters of Jordan shall be cut off, the waters that come down from above, and they shall stand upon a heap. And it came to pass when the people were moved from their tents to pass over Jordan and the priests bearing the ark of the covenant before the people. And as they that bear the ark were come to Jordan and the feet of the priests that bear the ark were dipped in the brim of the water. For Jordan overfloweth all her banks all the time of harvest. That the waters which came down from above stood and rose up. Oh my uh, stood up a heap very far from the city Adam and besides earth and, and these that came down toward the sea of the plain even the salt sea failed and were cut off and the people passed over right against Jericho and the priest that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord look at this now they stood firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan and all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were, pla- were passed clean over Jordan. That's a lot of reading tonight, and it's because the message itself is pretty short. But uh, God is burning this in my heart starting this morning and meditating on this chapter. And uh, you know, as far as just an introduction to where we find ourselves right here as we're approaching Joshua chapter 3, Israel has been uh, brought out of Egypt. And you know, as God brought them out of Egypt, the wonderful and miraculous experience that took place in the lives of the nation of Israel as they were delivered out of the hand of Pharaoh as they were delivered, dear friend, out of Egypt. And you talk about a great picture of salvation uh, there at the Red Sea. And, and they're standing there and the armies of Egypt are coming after them. And they're about ready to be destroyed. And there's no hope and there's no way out. And Pharaoh's about ready to destroy God's people. And yet God commands. He said, stand still. Stand still. And see. The salvation of the Lord. Brother Gilbert, that's a pretty good picture of, of, of salvation. I mean, God said it right there. You want to see the salvation. Israel, there's nothing you can do and there's nothing you have to do. You just need to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Oh, it was a happy day. Oh, it was a happy day. Like God said in Isaiah chapter 45 verse 22, He said, look unto me. I'm telling you, it was a happy day when I looked unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of my faith. I, dear friend, I didn't go to a confessional booth. I didn't go to a synagogue and pray and hope and fast and work. But I looked unto Jesus. The author and the finisher of my faith. Oh my, look unto me, he said, and be ye saved, 
all the ends of the earth. For I am God and there is none else. And that is exactly, oh my, what Israel did on that day. As Egypt's coming behind them, Pharaoh's coming behind them. And God said, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Now they cross over that Red Sea. And God brings them waters back in over the Egyptians. And God said, you'll see them again no more. And they surely didn't. Oh, but dear friend, Israel goes into a, a season in their life. Uh, you would think after, you know, the singing died down and rejoicing over God's deliverance uh, that they would immediately uh, worship God and submit their life and their will to God's will. But that's not what happened. Oh my, you see, a whole life and a whole attitude of rebellion against God. And Israel ends up wandering for 40 years. 40 years in the wilderness. 40 years. Can you imagine growing up and being one of the children of those that God would not let go into the land of Canaan? Can you imagine... I mean, maybe being in your mid-30s, maybe even being in your late 30s, and all you've done is wander around in circles after circles in the wilderness. And listen, I mean, mom and daddy didn't quit complaining. I mean, you get a hold of that. I mean, the Word of God all through the book of Deuteronomy. I mean, Israel's just, I mean, time after time. They got kicked out of the ability to go into the land. God said, no, you can't go. They pretty much said, we're going to do what we want to do. And God said, no, you're not going in the land with that attitude. That generation had to die in the wilderness. And they didn't quit complaining. They complained about not having water. They complained about not having food. They complained about uh, the sun being too hot. They complained about any. If you could complain about it, they complained about everything there was to complain about. And they wandered in that wilderness. There were some parents. I'll tell you, this convicting God convicted my heart. This happened. Some parents wouldn't walk with God. There was a generation that said no to God. They turned back in their hearts to Egypt. After all of that bondage, after all of that slavery, after all of that toil, Brother Terry, after all of that hard rigor that they served Pharaoh with, and after God delivered them in their heart, they turned back to Egypt. And they said, I wish I was back in Egypt. I wish I was back there. It wasn't nearly as hard as it is now. You talk about a backslidden attitude. You talk about a backslidden, I mean, just outlook on life. And I'm afraid today that we have a whole lot of church members. I don't know whether they're saved or not. They may be. But we have a whole lot of church members. And they're putting their Sunday best on every Sunday. And, and, they're, and they're doing the best they can to push through and come to Wednesday night. And, and, and so on. But in their heart. For a whole long time, they've been turned back to Egypt. And I tell you what's more heartbreaking about that than, than looking at how you're treating the blessings of God in your life. Look what the effect that it's having on your children and your grandchildren. Those children and their grandchildren, many of them spent many wasted days wandering around the wilderness. For one reason, mom and daddy wouldn't get right with God. Mom and daddy wouldn't go any farther with God. Mom and daddy said, no, this is enough. I'm not going any farther. I'm not going to, I'll obey the word of God to a certain point. But after that, it just cost too much. I'm not willing to go any farther. And them children wandered in the wilderness for years. Forty years they're wandering in that wilderness. And that generation had to die off. There was no way God was going to let them see Canaan land. And so now, here we are. 
40 years has come and gone. Caleb and Joshua, the only ones living who saw that initial rebellion. And, and God brought them through. They didn't have uh, that same spirit of, of uh, intimidation, that same spirit of, of fear and rebellion that everyone else had. And, and, and here's Joshua. He's now leading the nation of Israel. God's bringing them uh, just within a couple of steps of the promised land. And they're about ready to cross over Jordan. Now you see, the Red Sea, I believe, it makes a good type anyway of, of being born again, of being delivered from Egypt, of, of God telling them to stand still. There's nothing you can do about this, but you need to see what God's going to do, see the salvation of the Lord. We know it's not by works of righteousness, which we've done. It's according to His mercy, He saves. But now, Brother Logan, they're at another river. They're at another body of water. And now they're at the Jordan River. And God is getting ready to do again what He did before. Listen, in their own ability, as hard as they might try, they're just as incapable of getting across Jordan as they were getting across the Red Sea. It's just as impossible. It's just as hard. Uh, Jordan is not just a little stream running down the valley. But God said during this time, uh, during harvest time, Jordan overflowed all her banks. Oh, you talk about a big river. And here they are, and they're incapable of doing anything just like they were 40 years before, before they rebelled. But there, there's a slight difference, though, this time. Along with them needing to stand still and see what God's going to do, because only God can do this. But now God's given them some requirements. God's given them some instruction. Uh, there are some things that they, dear friend, are going to have to submit to God's will concerning if they're going to cross over the Jordan River. They're standing. Can you see them? They're standing on the banks of a victorious life. They're standing right there. But, but now we're not just going to sit back and just see the salvation of the Lord. You couldn't work for salvation. You couldn't do anything to earn it. Uh, it was a free gift of God, and I'm glad that it still is today. Now you have an opportunity and a choice. Are you going to obey God now? Your parents didn't obey Him 40 years ago. Are you going to obey God now? Are you going to follow God now? Are you going to go? Are you going to cross Jordan? Enter into the land of Canaan? Enjoy the goodness of God? Or are you going to do what mom and daddy did all those years before? Do you want to wander in the wilderness for another 40 years? Or do you want to listen to what God has to say? If you're going to cross Jordan... God lays out some things in this chapter, and we'll look at them real briefly, and we'll be done tonight. If you're going to cross Jordan this evening, first off in verse 1, we see right here, And Joshua rose early in the morning. And Joshua rose early in the morning. As you read through the book of Joshua, you'll find uh, that God goes into great detail about the time of the day that Joshua would arise and seek God. And talk with God. Joshua's communion with the Lord. Joshua's fellowship with God is documented clearly uh, through this book. The times of his failure. The times of his triumph. Uh, but most of all, and you can get all the way to chapter 8. And God is still talking about how Joshua rose early in the morning. Dear friend, if we're going to cross over Jordan. And you know, going through that Red Sea. Look at that as a picture of salvation, but crossing over into Jordan. Uh, no doubt it can definitely be a type and a picture of the victorious Christian life. Uh, living in Canaan, living with God's blessings, uh, living with God's power on our lives. And if we're going to cross over Jordan, 
God said, there's some things you're going to have to do to prepare yourself. Dear friend, this afternoon, if we're going to cross Jordan, we have to be consistent. We have to be consistent. I'm going to go through steady Joshua. Joshua is consistent in his walk with God, in his seeking God early. And the Word of God tells us, and Joshua rose early in the morning. He said, Brother Samuel, I have to rise up early in the morning anyway to get to work. And I understand that. I surely do. Maybe we've got to rise up a little bit earlier in the morning. I don't know. This is what Joshua did. Joshua didn't have any excuse. He didn't have, listen, we make our priorities in life. We really do. We do what we want to do. You said, I don't know about that. I promise you, pick up your cell phone. If you have an Apple phone, you can flip over there to the home screen and it will tell you how many hours you've been looking at your cell phone. I promise you, we do what we want to do. We really do. We make time for what we want to make time for. The priorities in our life, truly, dear friend, uh, we set those priorities. God's given us a mind. He's given us, dear friend, the ability uh, to schedule and to work things out. And all the way through this book, you find time after time after time after time, Joshua seeking God. And there's many times through here where you see him talking with God and fellowshipping with God. And the first thing he's doing in chapter 3, is seeking God in the morning. Listen, if we're going to have revival, if we're going to have a touch of revival, if we're going to have victory in our life, if I'm going to have victory in my life, it's going to be because I put some things on hold and say, Lord, I need your presence more than anything in this world. God, I need your help. Lord, I need your help. You know what? It's amazing how Christ, there in the Gospel of Mark, He removed Himself from the disciples. And God put it this way, a great while before day and he prayed and, and here come the disciples and they're seeking for him brother Gilry and the word of God says that Peter finds Christ and he said Lord he said all men seek for thee I don't know if any of you know how that is I'm sure you do it seems like the time when you're trying to speak with the Lord time when you're trying to read your Bible everything in this world begins to pile up around you and you almost feel like the scripture said about Jesus all men seek for thee anybody that can call they're going to call anyone that can text you is going to text you anyone who can't get a hold of you on your cell phone they're going to call the house line anyone that can't do that you're going to get 27 emails the kids are going to be screaming fighting hitting each other your wife's going to need your help everything that can it's all I mean all men seek for thee every distraction you can imagine is going to come in your life Brother Jonathan, it's going to. It's going to. And here's Jonathan. He said, you know what? I am not going to allow the things of this world to distract my fellowship with God. We better be consistent. If we're going to cross over Jordan. God didn't put that in here by accident. I mean, God wasn't just telling us for no reason why Joshua woke up early and arose in the morning. We see consistency in Joshua's life. Oh my, if we're going to cross over Jordan, not only are we going to have to be consistent in our walk with God. Oh, but look at verse 5. Joshua told him, and Joshua said unto the people, Sanctify yourselves for tomorrow. Oh my, tomorrow the Lord will do wonders among you. See what God's saying? Sanctify yourself today. In preparation for what I'm going to do tomorrow. You talk about a biblical principle. I mean, God help us to put some things on hold. God help us to turn some things off Saturday night. God help us to set aside some time before the Lord's day. 
and say, Lord, I want to see you do great things tomorrow. Oh, God, I want to see you save a sinner. Lord, I want to see a backslider reclaimed. God, I want to see my pastor preach in the demonstration and the power of the Holy Ghost. God, I want to see you move. Joshua said, hey, you better sanctify yourself today. He said, tomorrow the Lord is going to do wonders among you. And if we are going to cross over Jordan, not only are we going to have to be consistent in our walk with God, but dear friend, we are going to have to be sanctified. 2 Timothy 2.21 God said, if a man therefore purge himself from these, he should be a vessel unto honor, sanctified in meat for the master's use. And guess what? And prepared unto every good work. Ephesians 5.26 that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water. By the word. First Thessalonians 4 1 Furthermore, then we beseech you, brethren, and exhort you by the Lord Jesus, that as you received of us, how you ought to walk and to please God. So you would abound more and more. For you know what commandments, you know what commandments were given unto you by the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, even your sanctification, that ye should abstain from fornication. Oh my. Dear friend, God is looking for a people that are willing to separate themselves and sanctify themselves from the filthiness of the flesh and the filthiness of this world and not only separate from the world but separate themselves unto God and you're not crossing over Jordan. I am not crossing over Jordan if I'm not sanctified, if I'm not right with God. If every unconfessed sin has not been dealt with, if every unrepented iniquity and transgression has not been forsaken, oh, if I regard iniquity in my heart, David said, he said, the Lord will not hear me. Whoso covereth his sin shall not prosper. You're not going to prosper, dear friend. I'm not going to prosper until I'm willing to get right with God, to come clean before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be right with you more than anything else in my life. God, it means more to me to have victory over the flesh and over the world and to be the vessel you want more than anything in my life. God, I want to be clean. God, help us to get to that place tonight. Oh, I need God to help me. Oh, I need God to help me. You know, it's so easy to get uh, consumed by the cares of this life. Joshua told the children of Israel, you better sanctify yourself. But then we see down here in verse 8, not only God help us to be consistent, God help us to be sanctified. But in verse 8, And thou shalt command the priests to bear the ark of the covenant, saying, When ye come to the brink of the water of Jordan, ye shall stand... Still in Jordan. If we're going to cross, dear friend, over this Jordan River, someone is going to have to stand. Somebody is going to have to take a stand. We're living in a day when it seems like nobody wants to take a stand. It seems like, I mean, it, regardless of what uh, the, the, the principles are concerned, nobody wants to take a stand for anything in the in the day that we're living. God help us to take a stand. God help us to take a stand. Look at verse 17. And the priests that bear the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord, look what happened. They stood firm on dry ground 
in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over Jordan. If you skip down to chapter 4 and verse 3, God once again is telling, giving Joshua some instructions. He said it, and he commanded them saying, Take you hence out of the midst of Jordan, out of the place where the priest's foot stood, firm, twelve stones, and you shall carry them over with you and leave them in the lodging place. And there you shall lodge. And you know later on, God tells them to build a memorial with the, with the exact stones where the priest stood firm in Jordan. Can you imagine? We talked about a couple minutes ago the generations coming up wandering in the wilderness. And, 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 you know, they really didn't have to have an explanation about why they were under the judgment of God. Mom and Daddy were a living example of why God was uh, not allowing them to enjoy the blessings that they could enjoy. Can you imagine, though, growing up in Canaan, growing up in the promised land, growing up in the land of milk and honey, I mean, the blessings of God are flowing. I mean, joy and victory in Jesus. Oh, dear friend, what God had purpose for Israel. And they're enjoying all those blessings. And you've got a whole other generation coming up. They don't know anything about the wilderness. They don't know anything about dead Christianity, so-called. They don't know anything about a dead church service. They don't know anything about a dry religion. They don't know anything about false religion. They're just enjoying the blessings of God. Can you imagine a son coming to his daddy one afternoon and saying, Daddy, what's them pile of stones doing there? I mean, what's the big deal about it? I mean, we always do it. You're looking at it and everyone's talking about it, but why are them stones there anyway? Imagine him saying, Son, way back before you were born, there were some men of God. Oh, the Levites and those men that bear the Ark of the Covenant. And God gave them some instructions what to do if we were going to make it over Jordan. We've been wandering in doubt and delusion. We've been wandering in a backslidden condition. And we've come to a place we were sick of it. That old generation had died. And God said if you're going to cross over Jordan, the priests have to take the Ark of the Covenant and you better start walking into Jordan. God said this time I'm not going to part it. God said, this time I'm going to have you step into it. But Gilreath, God told him, I want you to take a step of faith. Oh my. You read verse number 8. It wasn't until their feet touched all the brim of the water right there on the bank of the Jordan River. And as soon as those Levites did what God told them to do, God stopped them waters and they started coming up into a big old heap up there near the city of Adam. God said they were a great heap. Can you see him saying, son, the reason why them stones there, the whole reason why we're even in Canaan land is because somebody and the priests that bear the ark of the covenant of the Lord, they stood firm. They stood firm on dry ground. They stood firm. Yet God help us to be consistent. We got to be. We got to be. God help us. To be sanctified in clean vessels. God's not looking for a dirty, a dirty vessel. He's looking, for a, he's looking for a clean vessel. God help us to be sanctified. But dear friend, along with those two things, God help us to be willing to take a stand for righteousness in this day. 
God, help us to take a stand for Bible doctrine. God, help us to take a stand for biblical separation and biblical convictions. Godly principles. Listen, I'm a young parent. I don't have much experience at all. I need God to help me to stand. Oh, we got parents all around the building this, this evening, and I thank God for the families that He's given us here at Bible. Thank God for what He's doing. And it's amazing you get to some churches, and, there's, and honestly, there's no young couples at all, and there's no one, and you wonder. I thank God for what He's doing in our church. Oh, but I promise you, you and I both, our families, we are going to be faced this year, maybe more than ever, places where our faith is tested, our convictions are tried, and God is looking for somebody to stand firm on dry ground in the midst of Jordan. And all the Israelites passed over on dry ground until all the people were passed clean over. The only reason why everyone else got to pass over was because those leaders, because those Levitical priests did exactly what God told them to do. They said, this don't make much sense. We've never been this way heretofore. We've never experienced anything like this. We know God has the power, but we've never done it quite. We've never been in circumstances just like this. But the difference is, we disobeyed God back there. We're starting a new year. By God's grace, we're not going to disobey Him this year. By God's grace, dear friend, listen, we do believe in the priesthood of the believer. And I know I'm making an application here now. But uh, man, as the husband and the leader and the father of our homes, we have a responsibility to take a step of faith this year and to stand in Jordan on dry ground and put God to the test and take Him at His word. I have a responsibility. Oh my. You just think about it. And I know there's some times when it gets hard. I know there's times of discouragement, times of doubt, times of trial. Oh my. Mama's God has given you the responsibility to, to guide the house. Daddy's the head of the home. But dear friend, he's not there all the time and you know that. And mama with that responsibility uh, to guide the house uh, and to take care of the children and what a responsibility that is in a place of leadership. You know what? what's amazing? There's not a person here tonight that is not in some place of leadership. Now, you may not have a position after your name. Oh, but dear friend, there's somebody that's watching your life. You and I, we are epistles known and we're read of all men and there's somebody tonight that's looking up to you. And I wonder what God wants to do in Bible Baptist Church in 2022 with somebody, with everybody's life tonight because we were willing to take a step, step in that banks of that river overflowing and say, God, I believe you. Not just walking carelessly, but I'm, I'm walking by faith. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. And maybe, just maybe, if by God's grace as parents and as, oh, as God's people, 
If we'll take that step and stand firm, be consistent, and walk with God and be sanctified and be clean vessels, do our best to be submitted to God's will, maybe, just maybe, God will allow those folks coming up after us to have the joy and the privilege of living in the land of Canaan. You know the, you know the famous saying, one of our presidents years gone by, a great, great president. Freedom is only one generation away from extinction. You know the power of God in our families. And the power of God in our churches. But a Gilreath, they're, they're just one generation. It's just one generation. One decision by a group of God's people to say, I'm not going any farther. I trusted God last year, but I'm not trusting Him this year. It's all it takes, just one generation. One decision, one act of rebellion, one act of disobedience, and you could keep your entire family from enjoying the blessings of God. Now listen, young people, you're all gonna, I mean, your parents can't make this choice for you. We got teenagers all over the building tonight, and you're gonna have to come to a place where, where it's not whether or not mom or daddy are crossing over Jordan. Am I gonna cross over Jordan? And that's going to make a lot of decisions for your family and your children.